is going on, Roto Grinders? Dean here. It's Dean 7904 if you want to get all technical on me. It is 5.30 in the East Coast, 2.30 in the West Coast, 4.30 Tennessee time, which, of course, means it's time for the flagship show here at Roto Grinders. It is called Grinders Live. Joining me today, uh, Blender Head? Blender? What's good? It's Blender. It's a Blender or Blender Head. doesn't matter. It doesn't way. matter as long as I'm winning GPPs. Call me whatever you want, baby. Name yourself anything you want. Yeah, whatever. Name, name me whatever you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> What's going on, buddy? This is our first show of the year. Uh, you, of course, have a, I would say, a different approach than most people, and we wanted to show that off in, uh, in the screen share, kind of like how you're building lineups, how you go about uh, depending on what the, the slate gives you and uh, with your stacks and uh, using the RT tools here. So you have all sorts of uh, rain to uh, show off all the tools here. It's going to be good times for sure. Some of the premium stuff as well, I'm sure you're going to get into. Uh, also, you do this on the morning show on, on YouTube. Uh, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. We do appreciate that. Um, yeah, tell us what you do. I think, I think Britt does it sometimes as well, but you, uh, around noon or so, give or take, well, you tell me, you know, better than I do. Right. Well, now with the NBA playing at the same time as MLB, the schedule is very, uh, condensed. I mean, it just, it does a lot of stuff. So we've been doing it Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, either me or Britt. And it's, it's the pregame show. It's, it's looking back at yesterday's slate. So half of it is going through results DB. I think it's the, one of the least utilized, features of roto grinders that's free that it, we have the database of all the DraftKings contests and you can go and see the exposures that and the lineups that some of the top players have had so i I've, I've done this for five years i mean it's a part of my normal morning process of how what better way to learn than go to the top players and see what they did so that's what we do in the morning and then i answer a lot of strategy related questions we look at the day slate but more of like a first look it's exactly what i would do in the morning that this is the first time i'm looking at projections i'm looking at matchups and then going through going okay who do i think is going to be more owned where do i think i can get leverage and then looking through uh lineup hq i mean it's a free show but if, if you're a premium member you're able to utilize all the features of lineup hq and i just answer questions most of the time in uh, mlb I'm playing, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 lineups. So I'm, I'm in lineup HQ. I mean, I can pull that up right now. I'm in, I'm on the screen. I'm on these screens all day, just looking through. And then about an hour before lock, I start making my lineups. And uh, if people had questions about the uh, multi-entry play, which is better. I mean, it's kind of like it. The difference between single entry and hand building and MME is it does, there's really not much difference. All this tool does, lineup HQ is take your hand-building process and put it on a conveyor belt, like an assembly line. So once you learn the concepts of how to build good lineups by hand, now it's just a matter of programming Lineup HQ to build those lineups at scale because putting in 100 lineups by hand just takes a long time. I'm uh, temporarily thrown off. I'm a little bit uh, razzled uh, because I'm seeing the chat tell me that, speaking of basketball, apparently Jimmy Butler is out today. So... Uh, I don't know if you're playing basketball, uh, Wonder, but uh, scramble. I'm going to. I'm going to take him out of my national stacks. I can't. Or <laughs> my, I'm going to take him out of my my Miami stack. Jimmy Butler may be out to play. He might be playing for the Marlins today. That's possible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you showing off there? I believe that was Slate IQ. Is that correct? Yes, uh, we'll go into that a little bit later. The, one of my most the tools that I use the most on on Roto Grinders are obviously Lineup HQ, which gives me all of the projections and all the stats and all like everything that I'd ever need is in lineup HQ. Then I have the starting lineups page, which obviously, so I could tell like who's in and who's not. It also allows me to like, just look and see what potential stack combinations there are. 
Like, okay, there's, you know, like Atlanta has two first basemen. Like, it's going to be hard to stack without playing just one of them. And just like, I like looking through to see who's in, who's out. And then I look at, obviously, Roth's weather report when it comes out, just to see if there's anything that I should be concerned about. And then Slate IQ, which uses our projected ownership and the results DB database to go in and look at the 25 most similar DraftKings slates that match the conditions of the current slate. And then it runs simulations. And then it could give you the percentage of the time in those simulations. Don't take it as gospel, but just based on the model, the stat, the four or five man stack that wins the most versus how owned they're going to be based on our ownership projections. And then gives you kind of a leverage score. So like on, on uh, slate IQ today, uh, Washington is the top projected winning stack, but we also have teams like the Mets, it's number two with a good amount of leverage. But I mean, the popular well, they stack need a lineup today. first, right? They need actual people that are going to be batting. We don't know. Yeah, that we don't even yet. know that yet. This could change. This, this gets run several times, so th- these numbers can change. So that's why I like bring it up and then reloading it. You know, every every half an hour or so to see as lineups come in, and uh, and just get a sense of who's going to be more owned or who's going to be less owned in comparison to their their win chances. So we see on today's slate, we're going to see a lot of Washington, a lot of Colorado, probably a decent amount of, you know, it's cores. So you can see the Giants. Uh, it, it's, it, the, the bats on the slate are all expensive, and we have a good amount of mid-range pitching options. So, like, I'm not sure if it's going to be how spread out this bat ownership is going to be. But Slate IQ is something that I, I look at to see, okay, Seattle – Right at the bottom, right over here, like garbage. Padres, garbage. Oakland, garbage. I mean, like, I typically don't want to play. But I was told have... you could play the garbage, uh, uh, the vomit stacks, if you will. Oh, no, uh, I, I want to play you... the vomit stacks that have high win percentages. Oh, I, no, I don't okay. want to get 0.6%. I mean, look at Toronto. Toronto could be a vomit stack today, depending on their lineup. So maybe, Do I have maybe... to PayPal or Venmo you like three bucks every time I say vomit stack? I, I know – uh, and people on Twitter, they get very upset if you name things, if you steal somebody else's name brand or their gimmick. Uh, how does that work? Do I? Use well, we both work together. I'm, I'm allowing you. You could license it for free. <laughs> I, I say play 10% of everyone, so we're even. Well, there you go. I actually don't say that, ironically. <laughs> Some people think I do. I did not. Uh, but you mentioned Weather Edge. Looks like a victory lap for Roth yesterday. We talked about it as far as the Cub game. We, we featured it. Uh, didn't show it in the screen share. If you want to bring it up in the screen share, feel free by all means. Uh, it's a free tool with your uh, with your RG membership. But uh, the Cubs game, of course, you know, weather in Chicago, historically, uh, it affects that ballpark more than any other place. And it was talking about homers being drastically down. I think there was one or two homers in that game for what it's worth. Happened late in the game. Maybe the wind changed. Not really sure. But uh, one, it was a two-to-one, two-nothing, whatever it was. The under hit. Uh, both pitchers were really solid as well. And today, once again, uh, in a 126-game sample blender, uh, home runs, again, doesn't account who's pitching, who's hitting, none of that stuff, just based upon the weather, similar weather conditions. 126 games, pretty good size sample, a decrease of homers at 33.4%, a decrease of runs at 14.6%, and a decrease of ERA at 17.5%. So uh, I, I know, do you care about that, that stuff, or is that sort of baked in that everything you're already doing? It's kind of baked into the projections. I mean, we, we see that uh... – that you know that the Cubs and Royals bats are projected low and and the pitchers are projected highly. So I mean, it's as the totals come down for for Vegas. I mean, it's just going to be reflected in the projections anyway. But it's something that I do look at. I mean, I'm looking at the you know, there's no harm in just like okay, that's interesting. But like I take a look at this like Blue Jays Braves, and it shows uh, you know this is better for pitching. 
right? We have the home runs down, total runs down, 15%, 12%, 11.8% up for ERA. But, I mean, the variance in baseball is so large that, you know, there still could be 15 runs in this game. I mean, just, just because it shows like this. So I'm mostly comparing this to ownership. So, like, yes, we could all see that the, the wind in at Wrigley at 11 miles an hour, it's going to make the pitchers more owned in this game. It's going to make the hitters 1% owned. So, yes, it's less likely that the Cubs put up 10 runs today. But if they're going to be 1% owned, maybe maybe, maybe you play some Cubs. So it's not just about who to play. It's who to play in relation to who everyone else is playing. All right, we're going to talk about the pitchers in a second. But give me, like, the overall screenshot as far as how you're attacking the slate. And, of course, the cores dynamic always sort of changes things. Uh, do you take a stand on cores? Do you kind of – or it depends upon what the slate is saying. Like, but what's your general course thought and your general slate thought right now before we talk about pitchers specific? Most of the time, I fade uh, cores when it's chalk. Uh, I think I'm more likely to play the Giants in cores than the Rockies today because I think the Rockies are super owned. But in general, that it does not vomit stacks. Like, typically, this is the type of slate where it's a 10 game slate. Cores is popular. Where can I find my vomit stacks? And like, there there are none. Like the cheapest stack is the Nationals and their chalk because they're the obvious cheapest stack. So like for me to play a vomit stack, like I'm playing the Nationals, but I'm playing them as chalk. So that kind of defeats the whole purpose of why I would do that. But I think the the overall sense on this slate, if we take a look, I mean, we'll look individually in pitching. I think there's a lot of good pitching options and all the stacks that you would pay for essentially all cost about the same. So if you fade cores, it's not like you're fading cores and saving money. You're fading cores and you're paying the same prices pretty much for the Braves or the same prices for for the Astros or the Dodgers. I mean, maybe a little bit cheaper, but, I mean, you're not really getting a discount. I mean, look, the, the Athletics, uh, Laureano's 5,500. Schwarber in the, in the Wrigley win-in game is 5,700. You're really not getting a discount in price today on the bats, even if you fade cores. But I think maybe that means that more people will look at that and go, well, if I'm going to pay 24 K for a stack, I'm just going to take a core stack and not take the Braves or not take some of these more expensive teams. And I'm looking to exploit that by maybe going more in those directions. Uh, I just got an alert for my RG app, which is free. Feel free to download that. Download that. And they're talking about this in chat. They're debating like, where'd you find the Jimmy Butler news? Well, it's got to be on Twitter for sure. I'm, I presume that's where they found it. And I think it comes a little bit later on the uh, – I have an Android. I don't have a what – what do the kids have, the cool ones have, the uh, the Apple phone, the iPhone? I don't have that one. But nonetheless, I'm told that Jimmy Butler is officially out. And speaking of apps, hey, the SharpSide app, uh, feel free to uh, check that out. We always talk about the bets we like. And I like uh, the Houston, the Astros. We're going to talk about stacks in a second, obviously. But I think the Astros are going to pummel Bumgarner. I think he's a fraud. He's probably a better rodeo rider. This Mason Saunders. Are you aware of the story, Jordan, or no? No. What's this story? Madison Bumgarner moonlights as a rodeo person. I guess a cowboy. Is that what they're called? I don't know. I think uh, I, the way he pitches, he might as well be the clown. <laughs> he goes out there and takes the hit from the bull. Right. Uh, he's in yeah. the little barrel, right? Doesn't the clown stay in the barrel? I think it's, yeah. Well, he also runs around when he has to to kind of get the attention. I'm not really sure of the ins and outs of the rodeo. I'm, not, I'm sure it's good times, but. I have not really partook, but uh, Mason Saunders, I think is his name. And he has like an alias, like where he, he would be a, a rodeo guy. And there was also this theory that he got hurt and he pretended not to be hurt 
from that because that would be bad from a contract perspective. Nonetheless, uh, I don't think he's that great at throwing baseballs anymore. He's uh, more of a name brand than actually an arm, and I think the Astros pummel him. I like the Astros over, I believe it's five and a half, and you get plus like 115 or something like that. So uh, the Astros are going to beat up Mad Bum. He's been lucky so far this year. The luck runs out. All right, arms. Not bad, not Madison Bumgarner for me. The most expensive pitcher on the slate is Patrick Corbin against the Mets, who we don't really know their lineup is just yet. And we were talking about a pre-show. Like they had a late scratch last night with uh, Jeff McNeil. Maybe that's it. They're trying to figure out if his back is good to go or not. Uh, Beham might join the lineup for all we know. Uh, new acquisition, Hill Hamilton. I don't know if he's in the prize pool. Prize pool. The player pool or not. Uh, Do I get to win Billy Hamilton today? Is that, I don't is think that, so. Don't, is that, is that value think, added on DraftKings today? I don't think it works that way. Um Patrick Corbin is the most expensive arm. I feel like he's not going to be that heavily owned, but of course he's got a nice K upside. You catch him on the right night, look good his first time out. What are we doing with Corbin? I'm playing zero of them. I, I don't think I, I'm more interested in playing the Mets against him. I mean, yes, he, ha, he has good K upside, great, but he's 10.4 K. We've seen the past, you know, since the, since the season started, like what are the leashes on these pitchers? So I'm siding with pitchers that, have already shown they could throw 100 pitches. And on this slate, I'll go 500 less and take Lance Lynn over Corbin every time because Lance Lynn against uh, all the righties on, on Oakland's lineup, he just has to pitch around Matt Olson. Like, I'm much more likely to take Lynn, but, I mean, he's also going to be he's gonna be way more owned than Corbin. So I think, like, Lynn, I think that the, 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 the four chalk pitchers today are going to be Lynn, Hendricks, Woodruff, and Heaney. And I think Corbin will be owned enough, but I think I'd, I'd much rather save the money, especially when we, we, we can't, all the bats are expensive. How am I, the $500 that I'll, that I'll need to, to go down to Lynn, I may, I, I may need the 500 unless I want to play Lewis Brinson in my lineup, which I don't you want don't to do that. No. We don't have a Marlins lineup just yet. It's about two hours until they start. And we talked about this pre-show, like, uh, we're not really sure who to expect in this Marlins lineup. We're not Jimmy exactly Butler sure two thousand in center field. Oh boy, uh, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, well, we'll hit the refresh on it. And I thought John Means would be kind of, sort of, somewhat interesting, but he's like on a pitch count, or at least last time out, I think he threw about fifty pitches or so. Uh, I don't know how much you need John Means, but if we get like a double A lineup from Miami again, I don't know what to expect there. The projected lineup has VR, pretty much the standard players: VR, Dickerson, Aguiar, Anderson. Uh, Brinson's in the in the projection for all for what it's worth. Get excited about that. Uh, and you talked about uh, Lynn, and Lynn is just really really drastic as far as the splits, especially from a K perspective. Last year, monster number blender, thirty five point two percent of righties he struck out. That is huge. Uh, looks like the projected lineup for Oakland has six righties. The three lefties would be Kemp, uh, Grossman, the switch hitter, and then the aforementioned Olson. And he also struck out twenty two percent of lefties. Not like he can't strike those guys out either. So, uh, yeah, Lance Lynn, I'm in on. Also, from a pitch count perspective, I feel pretty good about him, too. So, he, he seems like the guy that you, you want to at least do your best to get in there for your cash games. Uh, Denilson Lamette's next up. Uh, super talent, great arm, but who wants to pick on those Dodgers? Uh, he can get wild as time uh, at times, and that Dodger lineup can be patient as well, too. So, you can have those long innings and walk too many guys. Uh, for tournaments, though, you, you can make the argument, and that's you're playing. Are you making the argument for Lamette? Oh no, ninety five hundred? No, no chance in hell that I play Lamette against okay. the Dodgers, and I don't care they're in San Diego. He's at yeah, two percent owned, and just there's so many pitchers that are cheaper that are are more upside 
than Lamette against the lefty heavy Dodgers against Bellinger and Muncie and Seager and all those guys. No, I'm, I'm not touching Lamette. I'm with the amount of bat. You can, you have to spend money on bats today because there's no other choice to. So like, that's why like Corbin Lamette, like I'll, I'll probably be under on Lance Lynn also because he's 9,900 and there are other options to have, but I mean, out of the bunch, it's going to be Lynn, but like you want, feel free to take Lamette if you want and hope for a 20 plus point game on a 10 game slate with other pitching options. But uh, I'm, I'm not taking that risk. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. You roster Lamette, you might get months in the middle of nowhere, but you never know. You catch him on the right night. Uh, yeah. And I wanted to mention as far as McNeil and the Mets, that might be the reason why the Mets don't have a lot of uh, out just yet because of his back issue and maybe they're trying to figure it out if he's going to crack the lineup or not. I know it's a lefty versus lefty if, he, if he's in there, but maybe that's what's holding it up because the Mets, uh, what they play in about an hour and 25 minutes or so. And the Marlins, I uh, think about an hour, oh, a little less than two hours to line up there just yet. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is going to be pretty chalky. We talked about the, the Cubs, uh, nice ballpark, right? Great ballpark to pitch in. Uh, he, he dropped a CGSO. It was almost a Maddox, I believe just over a hundred pitches. I want to say, but you know, Typically, where is the upside with Hendricks? He's not a guy that cash uh, tournament guys like. This is, he has to go CGSO. He has to go seven or eight or nine, something like that, because he doesn't strike out a bunch of dudes. Now, there is a lot of K potential in this KC lineup for what it's worth. Uh, McRoom, McRoom strikes out 32% of the time. Modesty at 32% of the time. Starling at 33%. Collectively at 24.7. But Hendricks is a 20% K guy, which is pretty meh. Um you know, seventy seven hundred. What do I need him to do? It's not like he's ten gay. Yeah, that, 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 that that's the other argument is that he's he's pretty safe. He's probably going to get to his, I don't know, seventeen points on DK or something like that. Don't don't. Uh, it's a lie. The CGSO like that's he's not going to hit that ceiling very often. But um, yeah, he seems like a pretty solid SP two as well, or even SP one on Fandle. Um, I guess you're in. It sounds like a you know it's cheap enough where you have to do it, and there's some bats you want to spend up on. Right, he's seventy seven hundred. How, how many points do I really need out of him? It, the the Royals have a implied uh, team total of three point oh seven. I mean, how many? Uh, give me four strikeouts in seven innings. I mean, give me there and the win. There, the twenty plus points for seventy seven hundred. So yeah, typically, is he going to strike out ten? Probably not. Is he going to be the most owned pitcher on the slate? Yes. Can he get hit? Possibly. So I could see that if you're playing chalky stacks. If you're playing the national stacks, maybe you don't play Hendricks in that lineup. But I think if you're playing off the board stacks, I have no problem playing Hendricks whatsoever. All right. So you have a screen share open right now. Pull up uh, Woodruff on the plate IQ versus the Chicago Bats because uh, looking at the ISO, the WOBA, and the K percentage, this just screams. Again, you're more the tournament guy than I am. But just on a first look on the surface, Woodruff, we know, is a big K guy, 29.6%. Uh, tell me when you get there. But so, Blender, we see all the ISO is green, the WOBA is green on pretty much every single White Sox bat. All It's all red as far as Ks. So this feels like a wide variance outcome where the White Sox can hit three or four homers off of Woodruff or Woodruff could strike out like 10 or 11 dudes, which tells me this is a really interesting uh, game to attack, matchup to attack, uh, both sides as far as the hitters and as far as the pitcher. What say you? Well, I think Woodruff is going to be way more popular than the, than the White Sox. So, like, yeah. if, you, if you're going on the chalk side, that's going to be Brandon Woodruff. We have him projected as 24% owned. He may actually even be higher than that. The, the White Sox have a 3.7 implied run total. If we take a look at even there, I have the bat projections. 
on uh, on the White Sox. They don't even project all that well in the bat, but and they're not even that cheap because in order to play the stack, you need to play Grandal probably at forty nine hundred a catcher. Moncada's forty five hundred. Ro- uh, Louis Robert, Robert, I don't know, uh, is not cheap anymore. So like in the bottom of the order, like they have Mazzara in. Okay, so he's thirty seven hundred. Like the bottom of the order is strikeout central. Eloy Mazzara's got a ton of power. True. That, I absolutely agree. But if taking a look at plate IQ, I mean, look at these strikeout rates. It's ridiculous. So, yes, I think the White Sox are in play. I just wish they were cheaper. If you told me that these, if you decrease these prices down 10%, I'd be talking about stacking against Woodruff. I'd be like, okay, now we get a, a Nationals uh, priced stack that's coming in at what, 3%, 2% ownership against a chalky SB2 like pitcher. But it's just that I'm not getting enough discount. I almost would rather just play Woodruff than play the White Sox. But I don't think you're crazy to play the White Sox as a stack or even as a couple of one-offs. And maybe maybe they do get to Woodruff. But I understand they don't get to Woodruff. They also get the Brewers pen, which is probably the best yeah. pen in baseball. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying range of outcomes is, is greater in that game than other games. But, I, yeah, I, I, I'm more so on the arm than the bats. But I think there is bad upside if you want to play uh, the leverage move, I suppose. Uh, Andrew Haney, uh, pitch count matters. He was really solid his last time out. He went out uh, in the sixth inning. I believe it was just the first guy uh, got a hit off him, got the quick hook, got yanked after, what, 64 pitches. Manager came out and said, Joe Madden said that he was losing his velocity. He went down like one mile per hour, maybe one and change, whatever it was on that one batter. Uh, and he got hooked right away. And he's always a guy, you know, history of injuries. He's not a guy that's going to throw 110 pitches. Of course, you don't need that. Uh, AK versus Seattle. Seattle's pretty terrible. If you can get 80 pitches against the Seattle team, you probably can go six or seven strong potentially. Um, you know, what side are you on as far as Haney? Is he? Uh, are you overweight, underweight with the field? I'll probably be maybe about even. I mean, Haney's a good pitcher. Seattle's horrible. The question is, is will Joe Madden be Joe Madden this game? So, I mean, that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Haney could probably pitch over 80 pitches. I think the I think Cardi has him pro, uh, projected for eighty six pitches, which because he can. I'll take uh, the under on that for what it's worth. He can. Right, I would take the under, but it's not because of, it's not because of Heaney. It's not because of the pitcher. It's because of the manager. So really, it doesn't matter I what say, the reason is. The, the results are the results. But yeah, right. I hear what you're saying. Right. So like, if I nineteen percent owned, I think that's about efficient ownership. I could see mixing him in. He's not going to be a prime target of mine because I'm going a little off the board, maybe stacks wise. So, I mean, I could mix him in, but I still think I'd rather play Hendricks or Woodruff over Heaney. But I think he's in the mix of those four pitchers. And the chalk combinations are going to be Lynn, Woodruff, Hendricks, Heaney. And then we then we got some more interesting options outside of that if you want to get off the board. But uh, and maybe some on Giolito. We didn't really talk about him in 9,100. We'll talk uh, about the bat. It. The bat typically hates him, okay? And the way that I always play Giolito is that uh, – if the bat hates him, I just don't play him. And if the bat likes him and no one's going to be on him, I mean, that's not no one. He's 15% on projected. Uh, I play more of him because for, for Giolito to come up as the point per dollar wise, there's 20 pitchers on the slate and he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven out of 20 for the bat at 9,100 is extremely good for him. If you, if, if you're, if you subscribe to the bat, you know, over the past year, Giolito typically would be at the bottom nearly every slate. So, uh, I think he's more of an uh, – you, you have to pay a little bit more for him. But I, I think that mixing him in, uh, 
I'd rather play more Giolito than play more Heaney. Yeah, so we've saw we've seen his volatility so far this year in just two starts. One really solid start, one where he got shellacked. Uh, he's facing a Brewers team that this is not your friend of one years ago's Brewers. They're not as good as they used to be. Even Yelich is struggling. That I'm not so much afraid of, like from a hitter perspective. I think Yelich will be fine. Uh, it is a bad draw that Sogard's leading off. We talked about yesterday. Uh, he's such a pest, doesn't strike out. We'll like have 10 pitch at bats and take the walk. Uh, Giolito can walk him in 10 pitches from the start, and that can get you rattled right away. But there's plenty of Ks in this lineup, too. Uh, Gamble, Lomo is still a thing. I must see Garcia, plenty of power, but he also strike out plenty, even here as well. Uh, collectively, they strike out a 23.2% versus righties, and Giolito has a 31.8% K rate, uh, which is really solid as well, too. So I like it from a Twitter perspective, probably not so much from cash. Um, who else did I have marked here that I wanted? I think oh, I think about Luzardo. Okay, here here we go. Here are the two interesting pitchers today. Okay, because yeah. they're young, because they're we don't have much of a sample size in the majors. Lazardo and Javier. I was mm-hmm. at the morning grind uh, uh, with with Stevie, and at sixty five hundred, Javier like destroyed the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are like World Series favorites. He came in and what struck out like eight and in five innings against the Dodgers. He was great. Uh, uh, as Cheese pointed out in his uh, Million Dollar Musings, if you're a premium member, you'd get that. Like, his walk rate in the minors is high. Terrible. Right, it's terrible. So one of these starts, he's, he's, he's going to get killed by that. Uh, I said on the morning grind that at 6500 especially with all the expensive bats to pay on the slate, like, I know Jamino's hamster wheel says 3%, but I think he's going to be higher than 3%. I'm, I was shocked that he's this low. I think I don't I don't think he's gonna come in at twenty percent ownership. But on the morning grind, if I said if he came in at thirty percent ownership, I want to stack the diamondbacks against him. But if he comes in under owned, I want to play him in case that is it we get a if if he does what he did to the Dodgers at sixty five hundred, he's the best point per dollar pitcher play on the entire slate with the highest upside, even in five innings. So, like, I look at him and I go, if no one's, if less people are going to play him, I'm more likely to play him now, even though on the morning grind I said the opposite because I just thought he would be more owned. And same thing for Lazardo. Lazardo is actually in a get ownership. The, the, the Rangers have a 3.3 implied run total. It's, it's the second lowest on the slate. Uh, he has extreme strikeout upside, but he's also 7,600. And I'm not, I don't think he's going to pitch more than 80 pitches. So yeah, 80 pitches against the Rangers sounds good to me, but at 14% owned, like if, if these projected ownerships were true, if this is exactly how it would come out, I would fade Lazardo and play more Javier in this case. But if you were to play Lazardo, it's just that is he going to, is he going to get five innings and does he qualify for the win? Like that? It Does he make up for that in strikeouts? Cause if he goes five innings, even if he gives up no runs and four strikeouts, let's say he goes four and a third with four strikeouts and no win, uh, 7,600, uh, he probably could do better. So like, like between the two, if this ownership is the way it strike it, it, the way that it looks like I'm more likely to have Javier than Luzardo. But I mean, these are the wild cards because they could go out and get completely shelled. Yeah. It's a good time to say, you know, we're still over an hour until lock that the ownership projections are fluid. Uh, what they are right now, it'll probably change the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes all the way up the lock as uh, more information is coming in, as more lineups are creeping in. Uh, and I, I agree. I think Christian Javier's ownership will probably get closer to, I don't know, 13% as opposed to 3%. Uh, I could see people playing him in cores. He's, you know, stacking the bats with cores and Christian Javier. 
He was phenomenal his first time out. Uh, but like you said, it's as a guy probably that has the potential to walk the bases loaded in the first inning. That's also something that's in play. Uh, I agree Lazardo is pretty interesting, even if he's only going to be held by 80 pitches or so. Uh, Gibby, well, I guess we can mention Max Freed just because he's been phenomenal so far. He's kind of lost in the slate. He's fine. Um, you know, traditionally a guy I mostly ignore, uh, but I guess he's playable at 8-5. Uh, I, I love Aaron Marquez. Of course, I prefer him on the road. You're not getting a big discount. The Giants don't really scare me as a team, but again, Coors Field. I think he's interesting for tournaments, but uh, give me your boldest stance like as far as whatever projected ownership is as of right now, you know, the one you're most over on and the one you're most under on as far as pitchers. Uh, well, but, Matt, to me, the Max Fried situation is the most interesting to me because my attitude going into this slate was I'm either going to play a lot of Blue Jays or I'm going to play a lot of Max Fried. And looking at the starting lineup for let's go to the Blue Jays, because it really comes down to price for me. So we have here – Teoscar Hernandez is now hitting up higher in the order. We get a cheap catcher in Danny Jansen. They are playing in Atlanta, which I it's a it's a hitter's ballpark. So like this is this is see this is my conundrum because I like the, the the Braves. It's just they're expensive, but the Blue Jays are cheap enough that I could build. I mean, look at these ownerships coming: five percent, two percent, nine percent, two percent, six percent, three percent. Like Max Fried is five percent. So like I like Max Fried at five percent. But I also like the Blue Jays stack. So I really have to decide. I have not decided yet because I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think there's more pitching options that I don't need to play Freed. That at 5% ownership, do I think Freed at 8,500 is going to put up 28 points? If he does, then he then so be it. So I think I lean more on the Blue Jays side on that. But I think I'm more likely this slate to stay chalky at pitcher and mix them in. I'm, I don't think I'm going to go overweight on anyone. I think I'm going to have Hendricks, Woodruff, Heaney, Lynn, Giolito, Javier, maybe little Lizardo, maybe throw him in. But I, I may not be more than 30% owned on any of them because I'm, I, I think I'm going to be playing very few stacks. I think I'm going to go – I'm playing 80 lineups tonight. I think I may okay. only play four stacks on the slate and just those four stacks with all nine batters and six pitchers – and then if those four teams go off, I hope I have the right pitching combo. For lineups, we're still waiting on the Mets, the Marlins, the A's, the Mariners, and the Angels. The Angels are probably going to have Joe Adele play tonight for what it's worth. Uh, one of their top prospects uh, worth monitoring him. He's pretty cheap. Uh, has not been spectacular, but he is one of the biggest prospects in all of baseball. Uh, cash pitchers, I think it's Lynn and Hendricks probably on DK. If you want to get the Haney, or Woodruff, you if you're going cheap, I I don't think Lynn is necessary. I think I would like to get Lynn in cash, but I mean I think Hendricks and Woodruff, if you if you want the bats, if you're playing Lynn, it depends and Hendricks, how tight playing... the the salary is when lineups come out. That right, kind of thing. right, yeah, uh, and yeah, okay. Well, let, let's move on. Let's talk about the hitters, uh, catchers specifically. Uh, you got to roster one of these dudes. Uh, you know, do you have a general catcher strategy? I presume it's like many other people. You just play the catcher in your stack. Is that something you always do? Typically, do typically, typically. There's no there's no catchers worth playing on their own. So just like whoever's there, I always just make sure. Even if I'm stacking the team and they have a catcher, no matter what their price is, I include them. They may not appear in all of the stacks, but it's it's horrible to like. That, who am I taking a catch? I mean, do I want to play a, a, a Austin Barnes one off for just no apparent reason? I mean, just if it's there, it's there. 
So, like, if I'm stacking the Blue Jays, I'm going to take Jansen. If I'm stacking the Mets, I'm going to take Wilson Ramos. It doesn't matter. With, that there's no good catchers. So, it just it doesn't matter to me. And in cash, I'm looking to pay down. So, I think you're, you're probably playing a Jan Gomez or a Danny Jansen, you know, someone in the low 3K range, especially, you know, when we have cores and we have a lot of other expensive bats. This is not the slate. I mean, look, the you're, Omar Navarez is 5,100 <laughs> against Toledo. Like, the, the, if you were playing a Brewer stack, I wouldn't take him off though, even though he's wildly overpriced. But no. I don't think in cash, you're, you're, I don't think you're playing Heinemann, even though he's in Coors or Grandal. I think if you defaulted to filling out your lineup and then filling catcher last with whatever salary you had left, I think you're completely fine. The uh, the bully is not hitting today, as I guess Cardi nicknamed him. Uh, what Trump? Uh, the catcher. Trump. Oh, the Trump. Trump. <laughs> he he would have been the truck uh, at 3300 he would have been the truck let's uh, there's another person that i'm not aware of dalton varsho is a catcher for arizona apparently uh not sure who that is uh that, that's trump's rival in the movie apparently i'm not <laughs> really sure maybe his sidekick uh, i think wilson ramos a 3-1 if he cracks the lineup i'm not in the business of picking on patrick corbin but he's ta- he's like good enough and the price is cheap enough where i'm fine with it jansen whatever flat i mean it's just nothing there's nothing there well, let's talk about first base. I, I suppose we got to go to Coors and talk about Belt, talk about Murphy. You can spend up on Alonzo. You can spend up on Freeman. Uh, your Washington lineup as far as first baseman, you know, not the sexiest of names, or depending on where you're shopping, Howie Kendrick's a first baseman on DK. Uh, well, it, I guess a lot of your answer is going to be predicated on what your stacks are. Do you have the four teams you're, you're honing in on? Uh, not currently, but, I mean, I'm trying to – Washington is going to be the chalk. They're underpriced on a slate where we need, we need some cheat bats. So I think like Kendrick at first base or at second base is fine. I think belt at 4,300. He's one of the cheaper bats at cores has the platoon advantage. I think those are going to be the two popular options. Then outside of that, it just really depends on who's in my, really who's in my stack. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I want to play the Mets, but I don't have a lineup. The Mets would be one of my four teams that I'm stacking today, but I, I, how, how do I know? I don't even know what the lineup is yet. Why do you want to pick on uh, Corbin? Is this a, a leverage situation, I presume? Yeah, and if you look at Slate IQ, let's let, yeah. it, let me reload. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's changed. I always have to reload because the Mets could go all the way down. Then maybe I'd, okay, 40, no, no. It's the past two times. It's because of price. Like, J.D. JD Davis is cheap. Like, the Mets pricing is fairly cheap on a slate where you, you, need, you, you need to find some cheap options. So that's why I'm looking at the Mets. Like if you Slate IQ, I like the Mets. I like the Blue Jays. This is what this is the whole conundrum with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I'd like to play Max Fried at 5% ownership, but if Toronto is going to be the fourth highest the stack in Slate IQ with positive leverage, then give me Toronto because they're. I need to find affordable stacks. Even Miami isn't affordable. Look at their prices. I mean, their prices are in the mid 4Ks, and we don't even know who those players are. Yeah, I mean, who knows what that lineup's going to look like. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of stay tuned on that one. Uh, anything else you want to say as far as first base? Uh, yeah, I don't really want – I got to fix my ranking, actually. I have Belt first right now. And I'm like, I, I, I What's wrong with that? that That's fine. I think Belt being first I just like Armand Marquez. I, I, I think Belt's fine, but I don't think he's my favorite first base when you factor in salary and all that. Uh, he's probably not going to be in my cash game. So, like, I try to, like – again, depending – when I do my rankings, I try to do, like, okay, who am I theoretically more likely to play is sort of my thought process on that. Don't just roster – here's the seven most expensive guys. That's not helpful at all. Uh, anyways, uh, that's for premium as well too. I did it today. Uh, Grant Nefer did it. I believe Cheese did as well. Cheese is good. 
working double duty on that with this article, which is absolutely an amazing read every single day. Seriously, the most thorough. I don't know how he does it. It would take me 10 hours to write what he does, and uh, it would be like one-third as good. Uh, maybe I'm rounding up. Uh, all right. Uh, other first baseman you want to mention? You want to talk about the Keystone position second base? Let's go to second base. All right. What do you have for me in second? I mean, second. Starlin Castro chalk day. Can, can you believe it? Starlin Castro is chalk today. So if, uh, But, I mean, you're going to have to pay down somewhere. I think if Brian Dozier's in the damn Mets lineup, I want to play Brian Dozier. But I don't know. What are the Mets Castro's doing? Castro's cheaper than Dozier. Well, depending on where you're depending on where you're well, because shopping, he's, Castro's... But he's less owned. I don't care about it. It's a... Well, look at who we're comparing, Brian Dozier and Starlin Castro. Both what players year is this, is this conversation taking right. place in? Play Josh Harrison. I mean, look look at the second baseman we're talking about, right? Uh, what about revenge game Jonathan VR if he cracks that lineup for Miami? Are you paying 4400 for a Marlin? Well, he can get a jack in a bag. He could also get COVID in the middle of the game. We don't know. They've already had it. (laughs) Uh, I like Jose Altuve. You know, Altuve absolutely smashes left-handers. I talked about Mason Saunders being a disaster. Uh, Better at rodeo than he is at pitching. Well, he's not a disaster. I'm I'm over-exaggerating here. I just think that Bumgarner is just a name brand that's kind of faded away. And I'm on the Houston side more than I'm on Bumgarner. Um, Paying up at second base. Paying up at second base is going to be contrarian. Most people are going to play Kendrick, Castro, Owings, Dozier, even Kipnis and, and Wrigley, maybe. I mean, just I think like guys like Altuve and Albies, Kettle Marte, no one's going to play him, right? I just think of Merrifield, 5,200 in, I mean, in Wrigley. Like, I, no, it, no if shot. You're, if you're playing a stack, try to use the second baseman so you don't have to use any of these players. And if you're playing an off-the-board stack, like, I don't mind. Like, I, I will have some Starlin Castro as a one-off even though he's going to be 20-plus percent owned. But he's only going to be in my lineups where I'm playing, like, like Met stacks. And hey, what about Cattell Marte uh, leading off against Christian Javier? What you think uh, – is there some leverage in that maybe as a one-off? He's a guy that can do – when you do your one-offs, I, you can speak to this, obviously, but you want the Pedro Serrano types. You want the guys that can do it by themselves. They don't need necessarily the rest of the team. Uh, Marte is one of those guys for me. Yeah, definitely. No, and typically my one-offs are can – they, can, they, can they reach GPP value in the, in the swing of one – you know, one swing of the bat, can they get there? Most likely, Tommy Lastella is isn't doing that, right? It's <laughs> typically going to be a little bit more power hitters. So, uh, so yeah. So that I probably, I mean, the question is, is that I, if I'm playing more Javier, I probably don't play Kettle Marte. Uh, but you know, I did, I did put it on the morning grind game. But I also, I also bet against myself on the morning grind game, so I win either way. So That's a great move for a tout. Yeah, you, you just pick both sides, and either way, you're correct. And you forget That's right. It depends wrong. on what show you're listening to. They listen it's to the podcast. 101 right there. If the Diamondbacks destroy Javier, everyone that so. listens to the morning grind will think I'm a genius. And then if Javier goes out and strikes out 10, everyone that listens to this show will think I'm a genius. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, hot corner third base, what do you have for me? Okay, third. I mean, we're still going back to the, we're still going back to because Castro's available at third base. Cabrera's available at third base for the Nationals. But if you're not playing them, you're playing Nolan Arenado against Gausman in Coors. Because mm-hmm. outside of that, the third base options are not that appealing unless you're in a stack. I, I personally, I think Redmond. Bregman's going to go under owned for compared to Arenado. I mean, if Arenado's going to be three times as much owned as Bregman, I'll take Bregman against Bumgarner as a one off. Like Nolan Arenado, like yes, he could get there in one swing of the of the bat, but he's also going to be shocked. So, like, I'm more likely to play Arenado in a rocky stack, or play Arenado 
in a vomit stack with chalk pitchers, and then I don't mind that. But if you're playing Arenado and the Nationals today with Hendricks and Woodruff, and you're playing large field GPPs, just you just go go to the garbage and just throw your money away. Like Carter Key Boom, that's a little bit off the board. Okay, at least that's better. It's better. <laughs> they, you're gonna get in cash equity. Play those in cash games, but not the large field GPPs. Uh, yeah, the Washington guys, from what I can see, a lot of them have multi position eligibility, so that's only going to enhance their ownership. Uh, Kendrick is first, second. Uh, Struble is what third. Well, that's just one position. Starlin Castro is second and third. Key Boom is third and short. So uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about the interceptor for Washington. That probably speaks to it as well. I'm going to do a refresh. I want to see if we're getting a Mets lineup anytime soon. I'm guessing. No, no. I would see it on Twitter. It's not coming. And then nothing. Oh, I didn't realize. No Miami either. I want to know yeah. where Jimmy Butler's playing in the field. I don't know where he's. Uh, he's somewhere. He's in the bubble. He's hanging. He's uh, he's Jake Gyllenhaal. He's he's the bubble boy today. Uh, all right. Anything else? The third that's worth talking about. Arnado for cash. Uh, a little bit more expensive, or depending on where you're shopping. I think. Well, Bregman's more expensive than, than Arnado on Yahoo. I saw it was a dollar more over there, which will even like make his ownership way much lower. Uh, it's already, already going to be low as is because people are going to be on Arnardo. Uh Castro, if you want to save some salary, Rendon's another spend-up. That's certainly in play. You can play Longo if you want to. I'm probably not going to get there. Did Toro crack the lineup for Houston? Yeah, yeah. To, 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 well, to, yeah, Toro's batting seventh. Ooh, 2,300. Yeah. I mean, you can't play both, obviously. You can't play Toro and Bregman, but that's kind of sort of somewhat interesting. Uh, talk to me about shortstop. Okay, let's talk about shortstop. And oh my God, it's Trey Turner. I mean, it's, it's, it's the Nationals and the Rockies. Another National? Right. Story and Turner are, are the chalk. And then everyone else is kind of, that's why I'm looking down. I like Carlos Correa for the Astros. I'm on board the Astros train today. Who's going to pay up for Dansby Swanson at 5,000? No one. But he's batting second today. So I don't think that's horrible. I think I'm more likely like, Dwight, how do I play Trey Turner as a one off? At twenty three percent owned, I, I can't. I can't. I'd, I'd rather play Carter Kaibu at that point as a one off. I need you need to find a way in large field GPPs to get off of these Nationals and and the Rockies. If you're playing them together, just you're not going to win. You you may min cash, but you ain't going to win first. So that's why I'm looking down at guys like Correa and Bo Bichette. If I'm stacking the Blue Jays, Corey Seager against Lamette at forty six hundred, he's going to come in lower owned. You know, play someone like, I mean, or just fill in whoever's there. That's why I'm like, is Luis Guillorme going to be in the lineup for the Mets? I need to know that. To I guess he's cheap, right? Right. What I a plan? My entire, it's, it's, it's less than an hour before lock. And I need to, and the biggest thing I need to know is whether or not Luis Guillorme is in the Mets lineup. What about Lewis Brinson if he's going to crack the Miami lineup? Oh, yeah, I X'd him out already. So it, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> How much is Lewis Brinson? 2,500, unfortunately. Oh man, is that market? Pro- is that is that about right? Like, is that where? Oh, he's coming up as one of the in the bat. Let, if I go to outfield, look who shows up is. number two. It was <laughs> Brinson. Uh, anything? Uh, Correa, of course, to keep it the theory of the of the Astros. And uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, it feels like we're both uh, in sync on that as far as the Astros uh, as tournament plays today. And we don't really know how popular they're going to be. Uh, I think they might be lost a little bit to some degree, but we'll see. Uh, you know, plenty of games going down. Ten to be precise. Let's talk about some outfielders. Who's jumping in the outfield for you? Pretty much uh, Coors, Dahl, Owings, is who's eligible at second and outfield. So you could play Starlin Castro and Kendrick and Owings and then just fill out the rest of your lineup. So, I mean, Matt Kemp is still too cheap at 3600 uh, Charlie Blackman at $5,800. Uh, you got Springer at 5400 against Bumgarner. I Love mean, 
uh, I mean, you, I, I think you're probably playing two expensive outfielders and, uh, and like an Owings camp. I mean, that would be like the cash game construction. And then, of course, we have to talk about the most expensive outfielder, 6,200, Mike Trout, and the baby narrative. There it is, baby narrative. He named his kid after Gordon Beckham. Or maybe I thought he named David it Beckham. after the bat. Isn't, it, isn't his uh, initials the bat? B-A-T? Oh, I didn't realize that. No. I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Beckham something. I, I just remember it was Beckham something trout, I guess. I don't know. Not something, but there's an actual word. I guess it starts with A. Adam? Something like Anthony? that. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, he's got to be tired, right? And I thought that, like, they would have to get quarantined. Uh, I, I didn't know the rule. I mean, if that's basketball, the bubble and all that, it's different rules in baseball. But I, I thought he wouldn't be coming back so quickly. But apparently he's expected back. There's no lineup just yet, but he's expected to crack the lineup this evening against Justin Dunn, which seems like a pretty uh, soft landing. So, But, yeah, Trout's expensive. Well, you mentioned uh, you're talking about Schwarber at 5.7K and DK, how that's a ridiculous price. But Schwarber's a guy that can absolutely, despite the weather there, bang out two homers, and it wouldn't shock any of us. Would you consider using him as a one-off? Because salary in baseball is just like, you know, what I mean, the, the cheapest guy in baseball could be your best hitter on any given night. Right, so why not take the cheapest guy? Then take a fifty-seven hundred dollar guy. Yeah, he's two. He's two percent owned. But I, I, that if we take a look at the high range of, of batters, like instead of taking Schwarber, why don't I take uh, like Starling Marte against Javier at two percent, or Tommy Pham against May at one percent, or Yastrzemski's on. I mean, he's expensive, nine percent. Like I just, I, I just think that I could get enough leverage as it is. Yes. He'll, he's two he's two percent on, but he also projects horribly for that price in in, in Wrigley Field, and I, and it's a ten game slate. This is a six game slate. There's less options. Okay, so like I I will not have a single Cub. I I don't think I'm going to have a bat. Maybe a raw. Now Hendricks is pitching. No, I probably don't have a bat in that game whatsoever. And if it beats me, it beats me. But I'm much more likely to just go overboard on Springer instead of playing. Uh, you know the Coors bats. You know, playing playing Dahl or Blackman or Kemp, I play more Acuna against Shoemaker or Springer. I mean, they're going to be owned, but not twenty percent owned, but still eight to ten percent owned. I just rather have more of them. Bellinger against Lamette, right? Someone like that, or go down to Arzuna against Shoemaker, go down a little bit, then then just overpay for Schwarber. Yeah, you talk about the Nationals. Eaton's going to be chalky again at three point six K, and he's generally not a guy that like has this mega score. He's perfectly serviceable. He's like a kind of a poor man's Brantley, I would say. Is that a reasonable comparison? He's a really so poor man's Brantley. There's a little, yeah, there's a little bit of everything, but just not as well as Brantley does. Well, depending on if you ask DK, DK probably thinks like, you know, Brantley is a poor man's eating the way they price Brantley these days. Actually, it kind of hyped him up today for what it's worth. They finally got on top of that. But nonetheless, uh, anybody else that's kind of worth, uh, by the way, we didn't mention the Dodgers, like basically at all. I know their team total is just under around four or so and Lamets and Army. We respect, but, you know, locked in for nine innings and the upside of guys like Peterson and, and Muncie, uh, Bellinger and Seager and no ownership is kind of sort of somewhat interesting. And if you're rolling out, you know, a ton of lineups, I suppose it's worth acknowledging it or you know, like maybe five, 10 percent, whatever it may be. Oh, there it is. Bingo. Somebody got it. Uh, anything else in the outfield that's worth talking about or uh, you want to talk about some of your stacks today, at least? And I guess that's sort of fluid as well, too. You're still kind of figuring out because we don't have some lineups. I need the Mets lineup. <laughs> I see on Twitter uh, at last check. Okay. This is from, from uh, verified again, Tim Healy. They're waiting on clarity regarding their injured out infielders, Jeff McNeil, Robinson Cano and Ahmed Rosario. 
All three of them are dinged. Okay. Well, so we, we uh, by the way, just throwing it out there, if we get all those guys out, like we have to turn our eyes to Patrick Corbin a little bit more. I know they're uh, We have to degree. turn our eyes to more cheap Mets. <laughs> well, I'm thinking from a cash game pitcher perspective, and you're thinking of like, uh, well, you know, 10 4, we have enough pitchers. You don't need to play Corbin. But like Corbin has the ability to strike out 10 dudes on the right night. Yeah, oh, sure. And if it's like, of course he does. If all the regulars are out, you know, and you get like a lefty on lefty with Conforto and you know, Brian Dozer is three, three years past his prime. Some of these guys never had a prime. Um, give, give me a couple guys that are going to homer. Give me three players that are going to bang out some homers. Tonight. Oh, that are a guaranteed. Do I, I have to guarantee money back guaranteed? At least oh, beat no. with it. give me two out of three. That's not bad. Okay. So since I, I, I got to do bet against myself, I'm going to go kettle Marte. Yeah. Just so I could double down as well as bet against myself. Uh, let's take a look at, uh, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll do it the way that you should be doing it. Let me okay. bring it up. We only have like a minute or so. so Okay, no, no, I, w- I want to get this accurate for the people that they want to see the premium stuff. I'm going to load up the bat. Okay, it's, it's taking a while. It's Devin's going to kick us off air if you keep stalling over there. I'm stalling. I'm waiting for the bat to load. <laughs> Coming up next, by the way, is uh, Kevin Roth. He'll talk about some weather, if there's any weather lurking out there, tell you what's going on there. And, of course, STL cards. We'll give you all the baseball analysis on crunch time. Take you guys all up to lock if you guys are premium members. I stalled. Did I give you some time? Yes, I, I pulled up the home run percentages from the bat in the bat classic. So my guaranteed home runs are guaranteed. Mike Trout, Pete Alonzo, and Trevor Storm. Give me one off the board. Off the board? Yeah. All right, well, is that not enough off the board? That's not what? enough off the board. Okay, <laughs> let me go down Let me go down board. further. Okay, we got a Marlin. We got a Marlin here. Andy Marlin? Oh, it's going to be no, no, Aguiar. Uh, Aguiar. 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 Uh, question in chat. This is really quick. Uh, Yelich or Arenado for tears? For tears, Arenado. Uh, and look, the Rockies interested... have a seven-plus implied run total. Matt Beattie? Interesting. He's a player. <laughs> he will be holding a piece of wood. I'd play uh, him in stacks, but not necessarily a one-off. George Costanza tells us to end on a high note. We're ending on Matt Beattie. It was a fun show, Blender. Uh, get, get us out of here. Give us the player that you have to have to take, your, take all the money down tonight. I hope it's Luis Guillorme on the Mets. Well, I mean, that's a terrible thing. I'm, 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 I'm into the I, the more the, the more and more that there's no lineup, the less and less ownership they have. So the more we gotta go. Blender, it was fun. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Feel free to like and subscribe. Stay tuned for Crunch Time. We're out of here. Ho!